The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this Monday morning. I hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a great time at church, time of family, and just a great time of rest over the weekend. And I'm glad you're joining us as we start this week off together. Whether you're watching this on a day it's posted or catching it, you know, weeks later or whatever it is, we're just glad you're with us and hope that this will be an encouragement to you today. Uh, if you're joining with us, we are back in Matthew chapter 18. And I, it's an interesting passage because we're jumping into, uh, my Bible says, and other people talk, this section of scripture referencing um, the idea of church discipline. Uh, please understand that I would say this, that sometimes the truth of church discipline or the teaching can be distorted by something one church goes too far uh, outside of the bounds of what scripture says to the point of embarrassment or whatever, and some churches refuse to do this. And by the way, in a moment, as we describe who it is that's supposed to go through this, sometimes there are people in church that will not follow God. They're living in sin. I'm talking Christians. And when God and churches are refusing to deal with it, that person leaves and they bounce from church to church. And they do sometimes irreparable damage to the pastors of those churches, to the people in it. And please remember in the context here, we just got done in the same chapter talking about those who will Put a, you know, who will put a hindrance and a stumbling block to young children, to young Christians, to those humble, uh, horrible, that was a judgment should be put upon them. These are the people he's referencing. So in a moment, we're going to clarify who he's talking about that should be in church discipline and who not. All right, so let's jump in here real quick. Please remember this. Don't, don't ever go to scripture with an opinion of what you think it's going to say to prove it. Go with an unbiased mind to scripture and let God's word change your mind at every point. So, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, the Bible says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if you will not hear, take with you one or two or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Let's just start from the beginning and break down a couple thoughts that are very important for us to understand. Again, if you just follow Scripture, you're going to find what God wants and why. And you always find God's holiness God's grace and mercy wrapped into Scripture. So, again, remember the context. He's referencing, just got done talking about these offenders. And, and, and again, he just talked about the 99. God wants them to come back. So he seeks out. But there are some. And he, again, we're looking at, he says in verse 15, if your brother sins, this are, these are Christians. So he's looking out and he goes, if they will not come back, and there are some who are truly saved, but will not repent, will not come back, these are the ones we're referring in this passage. So please notice, one, it is, your, it is a Christian. If your brother sins against you. Two, notice if your brother sins against you. A lot of times the idea comes in and says, if they offend or things of that nature, and others, some chances might say offense. This is not... This is not as simple as um, you waved at somebody in church, they didn't wave back. Or you've heard a rumor that so-and-so said something about you. I hope you understand. I'm not saying rumors and gossip is wrong or bad. We'll get to that in a second. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is too many times Satan uses small things to give us a reason to never come back to church. They looked at me weird. They didn't talk to me. That person shake my hand. And there could be a million things going on we don't know. And as I, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago and I read this, it's great. If, if one or two, if one little offense in church or an offense in church can keep you from coming back, your faith wasn't in God to begin with. Think about this. We state, rightfully so, that the church is to be a hospital for the lost, for broken, that we come together. Broken sinners, right? 
then why are we so surprised when broken sinners come to church and then act like broken sinners? They're, we're human. We're all sinners. So why are we surprised when we come to church and, and every once in a while somebody is either not right with God or having a really bad day and they do something, you're like, I can't believe it. I'm never going to church. That doesn't make any sense. We should love them and forgive them so that one day that same favor can be handed back to us. This is not talking about small little personal offenses where, you know, small, you know, things happen and they might be legitimately hurtful. They're talking about true hurt. Someone has sinned against you. Someone's hurt you. These are, these are not small things. These are bigger things. We're in context referencing the 99. Jesus goes after them. They've walked out or you're talking about those who have hurt children or those who have hit, hit something blocked to young people, to young Christians. Look into context. My point is this. Just because everybody's not lining up with what you want doesn't mean we take them to church and embarrass them. These are those living in sin to the point where it's going to bring hurt to the church. And now, let's look at a little bit more. I want to jump ahead of myself. Here's again what it says now. So, if this is true, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's the case. We've established a Christian. We've established uh, legitimacy of the offense. Now we look at this idea. The first thing you do is you go to them alone. You're not taking anybody with you. Now let me tell you the number one premise behind this. The goal is to gain your brother back. The goal is to gain your friend back. The goal is restoration. The goal is not anger. The goal is not vindication. The goal is not to prove them wrong. The goal is restoration. Now, you acknowledge the fault. They need to take responsibility. Again, if they've done it, but they need to take responsibility. And sometimes it doesn't happen, but they need to do it. And if someone's legitimately wrong, they need to take responsibility, confess, and sometimes to the church and move on, depending. I will say this about sin. I, I heard a, uh, one of my mentors said this, and I think it's well stated. How, how broadly should sin be confessed? If your sin is private, it should be confessed privately. If your sin is public, it should be confessed publicly. That's it. And all in between. So if it's between you and one other person, it stays there. The goal is that Love covers a multitude of sin. We're not ignoring the sin, but we're covering it. We're stopping it, dealing with it, being dealt with and repented before it becomes a deal where everybody else knows about it. We're not trying to embarrass people. We're trying to restore them. And so that first step, go to them alone. Don't go to people and gossip. Don't go to them and complain. Go to that person alone. Deal with it there. Sometimes it's a complete misunderstanding. Sometimes it's valid. Go find out what it is alone. So that way it can be handled and it doesn't turn into a gossip session. Then what happens? If he hears you've gained your brother, what a wonderful truth. Never, that's the goal. 16. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two or more, or with you one or two more, that by the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, you're it's not gossiping. You're taking people with you to sit down and the two of you now, four or five of you are having a conversation. Uh, take leaders, take spiritual leaders, the pastor, the uh, deacons, elders, take mentor, your your you know Bible class teacher, small group leader, take those people with you. Take those who are the leadership, who have proven to have spiritual maturity, who are not emotionally attached to this. You're not taking people on your side to attack them and prove them wrong. They want to hear so that truth can be established. Not you, right? It's not your versus them. Truth is established in this. So you bring a couple again. People who are wise enough and mature enough, you know that it's going to stay more of a private conversation, again, to keep it as quiet as possible. Um, two or three established. The truth comes out. And then whoever needs to takes up. Because you say someone's done something to me. You may find in that conversation you are inadvertently done or maybe you aren't willing to acknowledge it, but you may be part of it. So it's a two-way restoration. Get it right and be able to, to work it through. Don't ever be so arrogant to think that it's always someone else that's causing the grief. The Bible says um, 
that only by pride comes contention. If there's pride, if there's contention, there's pride somewhere. It may be on both sides. Don't ever be so arrogant to think that you're completely innocent. Uh, just, just consider that thought that it might, you might be part of it. I, um, then verse 17, if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let it be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Now what's happened is, again, you've got this person in serious offense. You've talked to them. Um, the uh, leadership's talked to them. They won't do it. You're bringing it to the church, the whole church. Again, we're exhorting them to repent, get right, and full restorations brought back. So they're living it and they're not doing this. Then they must be sidestepped from the church. I've done this throughout the years, and the few times I've had, a few times, not a lot, a few times I've had to do it. Most of the scenario, all but one, these scenarios were taking place outside of church. Uh, they did not come to this front, which is the way I think it should be. And most of the people I know don't even know these situations took place. Um, in the one scenario I had to do it, it was protection of the church. I'll never forget when I left, I had people in tears thanking me for protecting the church because they ended up knowing more than I even knew. They just didn't know what to do with it. And it was protection. And this person, I learned later, had done this to other churches. And I've watched this happen when churches refuse to do this. Um, these men and women will go to other churches and they're just used of Satan until they get right. They're used of Satan to cause grief. They're just carnal Christians and Satan will use that. And so there is a time when we need to protect the church and uh, you wait till last minute to do that and make sure you fasted, you prayed, you're right with God, you're going the right direction. Those are very important aspects of this. Let's go on what he says now. Verse 18, Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Uh, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. This is not referencing two or three get together and say we want God to move. We're not claiming or forcing God to do something. We have followed God. We have fasted. We are at the point where God wants us to do. We've come together in this pattern. The steps we take, God will back up. We're gathering together in his name, not in the name of the pastor, not in the name of a church, not in the name of defense of someone else. In God's name, the goal is the glory of God, um, the holiness of God, and the protection of the church. Anything outside of those three should not be done. And that's what we should be following, and it should be done in a way that honors God. And we come together, he's in the midst, and he will give us direction. And that is the promise he gives her. Before I finish, let me tell you one thing intriguing. A little longer than I normally go, but let me tell you something intriguing. He builds up. The, I love when you look at a chapter in context. He talked about, you know, the, the, the stumbling offense to the children and those like children, as he mentioned, the young Christians. Then he talks about him seeking after the people, the 99, the one has gone away. He's always pleading with them to come back. He's seeking the lost. He's seeking those who have gone astray. He's bringing them back. That's the heartbeat of Jesus. That's the heartbeat of God, of our Savior. But he recognizes there are times when people just won't, and there are steps necessary to take it. He's still a holy and just God. But I love when he gives that. What is the next step in this passage? Peter asking him, how often should I ask for forgiveness? Seven times, which by the way, in that culture, was three was perfect. He uses the number seven for perfection. It was a relatively arrogant comment we'll talk about tomorrow. And then Jesus says 70 times seven, all the time. Jesus, his point is this, it, at Matthew 18, the part of church discipline is not that we don't forgive them. We're always looking for forgiveness. The point of eight, Matthew 18 in church discipline is they need to repent. Forgiveness is there offered immediately upon repentance. By the way, the pictures like that in salvation, those unwilling to repent and turn to Jesus, Jesus loves them. 
paid for their sin of the cross, but they will end up in hell if they don't repent. There is that responsibility, and that rolls in even to those of us in the church, and that is something we should hold strong to. But the ultimate goal is always restoration, and may that be something we hold on to. I know this is, you know, we go through the Word of God. We want every passage to be encouraging, and I know sometimes this, this thought can be a bit heavy. Uh, you know, maybe just look at this and say that, remember, God loves restoration, God loves people, and God is always looking to forgive. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling out because of, of sin, go to God, forgive. Go to God and ask for forgiveness. Find that freedom and see how God can bring you back in peace and love and restoration back to the family. Uh, for the rest of us, know that as a church, our goal is to follow the word of God, be as gracious as we can, never jump to this quickly. Lord willing, never have to do it if we deal with all these things correctly the first time. Well, we do appreciate the time you've given us as we start off the week together. Not knowing I go this long, no longer than normal, but appreciate your attention and your time with us today. We hope it was an encouragement and helpful. And stick with us as we continue into an even more, just as, just as important subject on forgiveness again tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.